Oh, right. You said Albuquerque. Should have took a left over there. That's right. If you have your Bibles tonight, please turn to Mark chapter 9, and that's where we're going to be reading from mostly. Um, this morning, if you're at um, Sunday school, I uh, preached. I taught, well, I might as well preach, I taught on uh, friends, on friendship. Today, I'm going to be talking about, or tonight, I'm going to be talking about family. Um, very important, and it kind of coincides with what I was just talking about, uh, praying for um, Scotty and Haley. But um, the, the title of my message is called Faith in the Family, and the uh, subtitle is Taking the Family Back. And uh, this comes about because many people today, and I've actually written about this, I've actually spoken about it a time or two, but many people today clamor about how God is missing in the schools, in our courthouses, and from our communities in general. So I've heard it often, that we need to put God back in this, and we need to put God back in that. But have you ever stopped and wondered why God is missing from those places in the first place? Not all, but many of the same people who are clamoring this are raising a ruckus and uh, talking about God's absent from everything in our society, but they don't realize that God is missing from their actual homes, from their own homes. I'm going to read some stuff off to you. I'm, I like to do a little bit of research. And in 2011, 75% of people polled in the U.S. considered themselves Christian. According, This is just in the U.S. considered themselves Christian according to a U.S. News and uh, Belief Net poll, 76% of that 75 favored a constitutional amendment to allow prayer back in school. Only 65% of that original 75 said that they prayed more than once a day. And a whopping 38% said that the most important aspect to pray was intimacy with God. Only 38% thought that. 13% said that they even lost faith, faith because of unanswered prayer, what they deemed as unanswered prayer. Only 20% of Americans 45 or older, that's my demographic, cite that prayer is the most satisfying experience that they have. Only 20%. Today, according to a study performed by uh, pewforum.org, it's a religious organization. In 2018 and 2019, only 65% of the U.S. population could consider themselves Christian. That's a 10% decline in a matter of seven or eight years of polling data. And that's got to take into consideration that's two different studies from two different groups. And so the same people were not polled, obviously. So, But we get an idea, and there's no denying the fact if you look around that there's a decline in the U.S. of believers in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Like I said, 2011, three-quarters of the population polled were in favor of prayer in schools. Yet only 65% of the same people prayed more than once a day. And only 38% thought intimacy with God was the most important reason to pray. Only 20%, 45 years older, cited prayer as the most satisfying experience. People were in favor, and some still are, of prayer in school, yet those same people don't pray at home or don't take it serious. They don't put an importance on it as a family. Fathers aren't displaying the spiritual leadership needed as the head of the household. Fathers are even missing in the homes. 
Mothers are oftentimes working more than one job just to make ends meet. Children are being raised by neighbors, babysitters, daycare, or public school system itself. Meanwhile, the prayerful family is all but destroyed. We've allowed the enemy to destroy the organized bond, family bond, that God had established. Simple things. Family aren't, families aren't eating together at the same table anymore. Johnny's off eating with his friends. Dad is working late, or he's at the bar, or he's missing altogether. Mom is worn out working herself, or she is with Dad at the bar. Kids are raising themselves at the hands of social media and society as a whole. We can see society is doing what, what society is actually doing to the family and to our children. The key, though, is to take back our families and get them back under God's domain. That's the key. That's what our goal is. Or it should be. We talked about it. Look in this church, and you can see that for uh, uh, a few children, except for a few children, uh, we are, our congregation is majority elderly people. The young people are not coming. And why, is there, why are they not coming? It's not because the word's not being preached. It's not even, I'm, I'm, people aren't out knocking on doors the way they used to, but the gospel's still being presented. Parents aren't raising their children the way they need to be raising their children according to the word of God. That's the bottom line. So how do we get back in the faith and family? Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Kevin and I were talking about this, and Kevin said, you know, there was a lot of years in my life that I went astray and did my own thing. He said, but I always knew the Word of God. I was raised correctly, and I came back. Why did he come back? Because he was raised on the Word of God. Nowadays, kids aren't coming back because they were never there to begin with. They weren't trained up in the way that they should go. So they're being raised by the by society. We need fathers to return to the home and be who we, and I'm saying we, are supposed to be in the eyes of God. We need mothers to help teach their children the Bible, and nurture their kids in the admonition of the Lord. We need parents to work together to display one flesh, together in prayer, together in worship, together in study, together in discipline, Raising our children in the ways of the Lord according to the Bible. And here are just some suggestions before we get to the reading of the scripture. Here are some suggestions to ask regarding your children in your homes. Do I take them to a Bible-believing church? We already discussed, if you look around, in our church just a few kids come. Are they enrolled and are they attending Sunday school? We know the answer to that. Have I met their friends and know where they're spending their time? There's another good question. And this don't just go for parents. This go for grandparents, too, because today, more than ever, ever in my, as far as I'm concerned, I'm seeing more grandparents raise their grandchildren, which is sad. doesn't say a lot for the, the, the young adults in our midst, not in this. Y'all do a fine job, Travis and Christy. Y'all know that. Do I know where they are when they leave my house? There's another good question. Do we know where they go? It's one of the questions always that me and Sarah always ask our, our kids. Where are you going? Who are you going to be with? Do I know them? How come they haven't been to the house? 
Make sure you're going to be where you say you're going to be. And we always checked up on them. They didn't always know that. I know that my daughter one time, she was going out. <clears throat> she wanted to go out with this guy. And I did not like him. Did not like him at all. Thought he was bad news. And uh, But everybody talked me into it. And I asked him a simple question. Where are you going? We're going to the movies. Where at? In the mall. Okay, what movie are you going to see? They told me. Okay, I'm with it. And then I drove to the movies, went behind the, actually bought a ticket, went in and sat behind them, way behind them. But I was there for the whole movie. I just wanted to make sure that they didn't get up and leave. Can I trust them? Can I trust him? Are they doing what they say they're going to do? There's nothing wrong with that. You're supposed to know what your kids are doing. Of course, I did get in a little bit of trouble with my wife, but that's all right. Do I know where they are when they leave my house? Am, am I... Here's a good question. Am I living as an example of who I want them to be according to God's word? Am I doing that? Am I setting the example? Am I showing them who I want them to emulate? I can answer that for you. And for a lot of years, I did not. I've talked to my adult kids here recently when they come home. The biggest regret that I have in my, the biggest regret that I have in my life is that I didn't raise my kids the way I should have. And you can't, you can't go back. You can't change it. You can't fix it. I just don't want anybody to have that feeling later in life. Do what you're supposed to do now. Don't live with regrets. So those are some of the questions you should ask. But here, how about this? What if, what if, my, what if I just got saved? And my kids are older. What if, what if I, I just got under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I wasn't living the way I should be living and I'm living a simple life and setting a bad, a bad example for my kids? What, what then? My kids are already teenagers. They're almost grown. Or in my case, some of them were out of the house. What then? What if my kids are now teenagers at the age where they're living according to the world? What do I do? Well, you got your work cut out for you but they're still your children. And you're still their parent. And God is still God. And he's still with you. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God can do anything? Amen. God can do anything. If it be thy will, God, I believe you will do it. Turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to pick up in verse 17. I'm going to read something to you that goes hand in hand with that. Reading verses 17 through 27, it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, I want to put caveat this right here. I want to stop. I'm not calling my kids dumb, okay? This is a dumb spirit, okay? This is different than what we call dumb today. And wheresoever he hath taken them, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pinneth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground, and he wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him 
into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But listen, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thy mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Let me ask you again, can God do anything? Do you believe that God can do anything? I don't care how old your children are. I don't care what the situation is. Notice what he says here. Jesus is talking to the father. He's not talking to the kid. He's talking to his father. Do you believe? Let me ask, do you believe? I don't care how old the kid is. I don't care what the situation may be. Do you believe Jesus can deliver your son? Do you believe Jesus can deliver your daughter? Of course he can. If thou canst believe, all things can be done with God. Just believe that. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the son was saved because the father believed. Jesus did the work, but it took the father's faith. Parents. Grandparents, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. It only matters from this point forward. And that's what I have to tell myself. What you did yesterday is irrelevant. What you do now and forevermore is crucial. Do you believe? If the answer is yes, then start from this moment. It's easy. Raise your children according to the to God's word. Pray pray and then pray some more and you continue to pray until something changes you study God's word you read the Bible alone you read the Bible as a couple you read the Bible as a family and you have faith in Jesus because he will never forsake you and he will never leave you just as the Apostle Paul said I am being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1.9. I believe that wholeheartedly. He called you for a purpose. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. You may face trials and tribulations, which we all will. And some of them may come in the form of family. But you stand firm in the fire because Jesus is standing firm in the fire with you. And you pray and you believe and you pray, and you believe. We should be setting the example. Just as Christ is our example, parents must be the example of our children. We talked about that, or I talked about it when I started this. Regardless of the age or when they came, or when you came under conviction, if you just came to know the Lord and your kids are grown, set the example today. If you're the grandparents and you're, you're the only one who can set the example. Set the example. Talk to them every chance you get. 
If you're a born-again believer in Christ, you now have a ministry to carry out. We all, Brother Howard talked about that. We have all been called to preach the gospel to everybody, especially your family. That touched me this morning. You got somebody in your family that you know is unsaved. And you're going to go to heaven and knowing that they, they're not going. They're going to face the judgment. Have you done everything that you can do? Continue. Don't give up. Do not give up. Your family needs to be included in that ministry. Your family needs to be included in the ministry that you're doing. As, as a family, these are some ideas. Uh, family meetings. Have family meetings together. And I, I'm telling you, I failed this so, this is so important. I failed miserably. But you should learn biblical principles together by studying the Bible. You should memorize verses of scripture together. Make a game out of it. Have family Bible trivia games. See who knows more of what. Who's weak in one area. Who can help somebody. Evangelize together. There's an idea. Door knocking, unless you're a Mormon or, or a Jehovah's Witness, seems to be out these days. But I got news for you. The Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they're on the ball. It's time for Christians. Get out there and do some door knocking. Practice delivering the gospel to each other. You can do that as a, as a family to help build up each other's ability to witness. Invite their friends over. Invite their friends over for a study or for a Bible discussion or a Christian discussion, a youth group. Have a movie night and have Jesus films. The Chosen's out right now. It's a good, good, I've watched it myself. It's a pretty good series. Wait for, for season two. If you read the Bible, you know what comes. So it's kind of cheating. Talk about current events with your kids, even if they're grown, and how they compare and contrast to the Bible and, and God's word and his lessons. Pick, pick a prayer. And what I mean by that is pick, pick an event or a person or a place, something that's going on in the world from the current events. And each of you sit down and pray for it. Do it as a family. Get your family involved in the ministry. That's my phone telling me to shut up, I think. If you're teaching your kids and setting the example of what you, what, what you know God is telling you to do, according to God's word, your children are going to follow suit. They're going to emulate. Even if they're pulling back, even they're going to get to a stage where they, they resist a little bit and they want to rebel a little bit, they still have that foundation and they're grounded in the truth and they can't deny the truth. But if they never get it, if you're never reading them the scriptures, if you're never praying with them, if you're not putting the importance on it yourself, here's an idea. Pick something out of the Bible about what not to do in life and discuss that with them. Like, I don't know, drinking. Bible tells us all about drinking and what good it is. How many people have alcohol in their homes? I'm going to tell you, when I was younger, I had alcohol in my home. How's that setting the example? How's it setting the example? It's not. 
your kids see you behave one way, how can you tell them that it's not right? How can a parent tell their kids, hey, I don't want you smoking, and they're smoking? How can I tell my kids, don't go drink, and I'm sitting there drinking? How can I tell them it's against the Bible, and then I'm doing it? And I'm not saying smoke, I'm saying the things that are. We should be letting our light shine. Neighbors, neighbors should be able to see your light shine. Not just yours, but your family's joy for the Lord. They should be able to see that. Living for God doesn't mean that you're stuck in the mud or a stick in the mud. <laughs> you might be stuck in the mud, but you don't have to be a stick in the mud. Your neighbors should be able to see your laughter. You know, in the Bible, kids wanted to, to visit Jesus. Kids wanted to sit in Jesus' lap. Let me tell you something. Kids don't just jump up in a stick in the mud's lap. They don't. I had some relatives in my family. Mama would make me go. I'm not going to name her name in case anybody's looking. But Mama would make me give this woman a kiss. And that woman was just as crotchety. I did not want to be around that woman. Go give your aunt so-and-so a kiss. Mm -mm. No. She was mean. People don't want to be around meanness. They want to be around something that's, that's fun, that's joyful, that's loving. People wanted to be with Jesus. The kids wanted to jump in Jesus' lap. Kids don't eagerly jump in the laps of people who are fuddy-duddies. They don't do it. So you shouldn't be a fuddy-duddy. You know, I, I, I long for the day that I'm a grandparent. If the Lord tarries, I'm a grandparent, and my grandkids come over. My kids probably won't believe it, but I'm going to be a happy grandfather. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil them grandkids. And they're going to want to come over to the house. So much so that my kids are going to believe that there was a transformation that took place. That's right. Kids want to be around happy people. People that are filled with joy. So you should share your joy, your joy with your children and influence their joy in the Lord. You can't say, well, I'm so happy to be a Christian and then be miserable all day. How's that? Your kids are going to be like, well, that's not so fun. That's not a good idea. Don't do it. Parents, you're responsible for the upbringing of your children. You are responsible for the upbringing of your children. Not me, not your neighbor. You are. God gave them to you and for you to raise. That's your responsibility. Matthew 18, 14 says this. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. He ain't just talking about the physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. It's your responsibility to raise your children in the admonition of the Lord and to raise them in the way that they should go so that they can receive eternal salvation through the saving grace of God through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ by their faith. What if you didn't teach your kids? And then you have to answer for that. It's hard for a child to embrace and cherish something that's always backed with dimness or reclusiveness or misery. I heard yesterday in, in uh, the memorial, two girls stood up to talk about their grandma. And their memories of their grandmother were fond and happy. And they were smiling. And all they had, all they could remember was the cherished happy moments of their grandma 
but sadly there's a lot of kids that don't have those happy cherished memories of their parents or their grandparents we have a duty we have a responsibility God gave them to us to raise right to love them tell them the truth don't let the world raise them you raise them in the admonition of the Lord I know by the way Raising them right in the admonition of the Lord. Look, God's not a killjoy, okay? We talked about having your joy shine. Your kids shouldn't think that every time you're going to discuss uh, Bible time that it's, oh, goodness, Bible time, like you're getting hit with a ruler or something. You should be having fun, and you should be smiling and loving from your heart because this is, this is an ultimate love story to us. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And he wants what's best for us, for you to have a, an exceedingly abundant life. Raise your children in the ways of the Lord, but be happy. Don't make it a miserable time for your kids. Don't Always make, make the Lord appear joyful because the joy, the joy of the Lord is in you. Make your family time with the Lord enjoyable, not dreadful. Psalm 126.2 says this, Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing, then said the, they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. You know, your neighbors should be looking at your family like, the Lord has done great things for that family. Because your joy. And like I said, I have failed miserably for a long time, but I also said, and I've told you this twice now within this message, is it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It matters what you do today moving forward. Once I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there was no going back. And you don't make excuses for what you did. There are no excuses for what you did. You move forward what you know to do. You should have your kids take initiative also. What does the Bible say about the world's vices? Drinking, we talked about that, right? Set the example in and out of the home. Don't have alcohol in your home and tell your kids to not to drink. It's hard to tell your kids to do anything and then you're doing it. It's hard for a child to understand it's bad to use foul language and you're using foul language. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I, some of the worst words I ever heard, and I'm not talking about my mama, but some of the worst words I ever heard was when I was with my father. I, he made up some words. They were, they were very foul. But I learned them all. Learned them all. They should not be learning negative things from you. You should be learning the right things from you. Set the example. If you want the country to return to Christ, you need to return to Christ first. Amen. If you want the country to return to Christ, return your family to Christ. Set the example. Not just for your kids, but that should be the important thing, setting the example for your kids. But when you set the example for your kids and your kids are living a godly life, your house is a godly home, guess who sees it? Everybody. Remember what you exhibit, your kids are going to emulate. They will. Monkey see, monkey do. Believe and continue in the faith regardless of how tough it may get. And it may get tough. When you come to the Lord later in, in life and your kids are nearly grown, some of them may not understand it. And some of them may want to rebel harsher because of it. You stay rooted in the word and in the truth of the Lord and you pray and you believe because somebody prayed for you and somebody believed for you and you are where you are because of that don't give up 
the Lord can. If it be his will, the Lord can change anybody's heart. Let your light shine. Be joyful unto the Lord. Because your children, ultimately, it's your responsibility to raise them and raise them in admonition of the Lord. That's my message tonight. I know it's kind of short, but um, I got to talk, thinking about it this afternoon a little bit more after I talked about friendships uh, earlier today. And um, the family dynamic in this country, and we, we, I see people clamoring about, we need to put God back in this, God back in that, and God back in this. And then I'm looking at the people that are saying they're not even putting it in their home. Put it back in your home. Put it back in your heart. Put God back in your heart and you start living your life the way you're supposed to, to and then other people will follow suit. But you can't expect somebody else to do it when you're not doing it yourself. That's horrible. So, um, what do they say? Put up or shut up? <laughs> Time to put up, right? All right. Brother Travis, will you dismiss us, please, sir? Lord, we just thank you for this time we have together, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We just thank you so much for the message that you gave Brother Richie tonight and that uh, he was able to just give it to us. And we just pray that you would just touch our hearts, Lord. Help us to hide your word in our hearts and just be an example to those around us, Lord, especially the children and the younger generation, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to be a light for you, Lord, and that, Lord, your joy would just shine through us that um, nobody would doubt um, where we get it from, Lord. And I pray that you would go with us tonight and the rest of this week. I pray that you would um, watch over us, protect us, Lord, and uh, bring us back safely Wednesday night. Lord. We just love you and praise you for all you do for us. In your name I pray. Amen. Yeah.